Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling. College basketball is ready to go as well. And Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL, they're all in full swing. And Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to the Bet Online website today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome in to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm Taylor Davis. He is Jason Campbell, and we welcome you into another episode talking once again about an Auburn victory and this time sealing bowl eligibility for the Tigers this season. Hopefully, going to continue to build on and get to an even better bowl, but we are eligible nonetheless, hitting that all important sixth win for the Tigers. And they did it on the road in an SEC matchup in dominating fashion so plenty to talk about in this one i welcome jay cam in uh and jason we have to start out as we always do whether i tee you up or not tell us about the food in fayetteville what would you eat would you like how to go i did stand in line for the auburn sports radio crew this saturday i mean this friday night in freezing cold in arkansas trying to hold the line spot for rice barbecue Oh, and I will say this it is by far some of the best barbecue I have ever had. And no the way. size, yes, and the size was really good. So I tell you what, like, I wanted to go back two days in a row, but I just feel like, you know, Jay, you're acting like the mascot of what Arkansas is if you do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I said, let's just stop right there. <laughs> and, gracious I did, have, I did have some banana pudding to go with it so i got As some weight should. to lose this week I, I i've had some chocolate chip cookies from crumble cookies I, i've got it i got i got i gotta do something well i hate to break it to you but we're about to have a holiday that's centered around food so i'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure when you're starting that challenge well, start today you know reopen it oh. next wednesday night okay yeah, yeah yeah so we'll we'll be good for a week and then we'll fall off again and then we'll get back oh. That's the story of my life, especially around the holidays. Not surprising at all. But I would argue to say Auburn was better. Auburn did what they went there to do and then some on Saturday, coming away with, I would say, the most complete team win that we have seen in a long time. I'm not even just talking about this season. This was a dominant win. This was complimentary football. You love to hear coaches talk about that and you think it's coach speak, but it's it's very effective when it's actually on the field. And I felt like the Tigers did a really good job of that. 48 to 10 over Arkansas in Fayetteville. And once again, another showing of some offensive consistency and progress and rhythm, not perfect, but certainly a step in the right direction. You saw more of a variation. You continue to see the RPO, the increase in tempo, the defense creating turnovers, wreaking havoc. Special teams is one of the best special teams unit in the country. Keontae Scott with that big return. Evan McPherson, 
I don't want to jinx him, but we all know what he's doing. And I just, yeah. it was so incredible to watch just the entirety of it. Started out the gate, went through the end of it, all three phases, coaching, operational, handle the environment, energy. That is ultimately what Hugh Freeze was hired to do. And we all knew it was going to take some time, but here we are week 11. What week is it? That is yeah. what we all wanted yeah. to see. And it was super gratifying to see it this season, because I think if you flash back a few weeks, Jay, we don't, we didn't necessarily know if we would see this complete of a game this season. We thought we'd see progress. The guys would build more chemistry, but this looked like a team that's been together a lot longer than they have. Yeah, this definitely was a game that I can say they went on the road with the right attitude, the right mindset. And I'll be honest with you, I was caught off guard by this victory being this Same. large. You know, I, I thought Auburn would win, but I didn't think it would be like this amount. And I think a lot of people were, uh, you know, mm -hmm. we was all asking questions like, hey, did you see this coming? You know, and the thing is, we did because Arkansas was a team that just went on the road, just played Florida, won an overtime game, coming in with some confidence. And they was playing to get bowl eligible. And for them to get bowl eligible, they had to win out. But their two toughest games, which is us and Missouri at the end of the year, are in Arkansas. So, yeah. you know, you're like, okay, you're probably going to get their best shot and everything. And then our guys came out like they were just ready to play. And, you know, once they scored, it took the first drive down there. They scored. And I think what really hurt Arkansas and what really got our guys really going was when Keontae Scott returned that, that punt return. You know, Agreed. now you jump up on the team 14 to zero and then they're looking like, uh oh, you know what happened? Like what's going on? So then you lose, you know, the confidence that you had coming into the ball game. And then Auburn right. is just gaining confidence, you know, and then the next time they got the ball, they was able to score. And then they had a couple of hiccups for a little bit there. Arkansas players start playing a little bit better. But overall, mm -hmm. though, you know, our offense, they, they look like they're in better rhythm. Uh, Peyton Thorne seems like he's in more command of the offense since he's been, you know, basically his show. Uh, the receivers, you know, still got to win a little bit better on the outside. We're still struggling a little bit on the outside to win those one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one matchups, especially on third downs. You know, you got to win those. You got to win those battles. But for us running the football, we ran the football with 300 yards, and like Peyton, a big part of the, the rush game. You know, he had right. almost 100 yards rushing. So I, I think. With that aspect of it, it makes it hard for defenses just to counter, especially when you got a Rivaldo Fairweather who's showing up uh, and having mm -hmm. big plays. And so this team is like, I would say we knew that 0-4 spark, spark in the middle of the season was against some really tough opponents. And I think had we made some adjustments then that we've made now, I think we win two of those four games. I, I couldn't really agree do. more. Yep. I really do. I, I think we win two of those four games. But, you know. Mm -hmm. We can't sit here and, and, and cry about things in the past. But the thing is, the team is looking better. They're moving forward. You know, if you can pick up a win this week against New Mexico State, you're looking at seven and four with the Iron Bowl in your backyard coming off a four-game winning streak. And Bama really got to beat you, really, to stay in the playoff hunt. So that, makes, that, that Iron Bowl is going to be, like, really, huge. really loud and huge. So I'm just excited about what I'm seeing as far as progress and uh, how this team is starting to buy into what Coach Freeze and the staff is trying to teach them. I totally agree. I loved the game that Rivaldo Fairweather put together, especially he had had a couple drops at Vanderbilt the week before, and he just seemed locked in in a different way. And I love that we get to see a little bit. This is kind of a sidebar. We are uh, heading into this season, television and um, 
like the referee council actually had a meeting because this is a small detail that I don't know if a lot of people know. We, for the first time ever, are allowed to have a cameraman go into the end zone, like step over the white line and go into the end zone with a camera after a touchdown to get reactions. That has never been allowed in college football before. This is the first season that we're doing that. And there are very strict rules. Like they can't go in there until the guy crosses and the referee signal. They are only allowed to be there for like 10 to 15 seconds and then they have to leave. But this was decided on going into season that we were going to do that so that we could get those close-up shots when the guys come into the end zone. So then we talked to the referees. I say we like I was in there, but I just need television, the powers that be. Spoke with the referees about let's give a little more cushion with the celebrations this year. Don't throw the flag immediately because if we're allowing a camera to get the reaction, if a camera is right there in front of these kids, chances are adrenaline's going to get going. They're going to enjoy the moment and do a little dance or a little something to the camera. Don't throw the flag. If it gets excessive, fine. And then obviously it'll set the field goal back. But give them a little cushion. And I love that we're doing that because I think that while you shouldn't showboat, and I don't think they should be doing the choreographed stuff that we see in the NFL, let them hit a little jig, let them point to somebody, <laughs> let them do a little. And Rivaldo, when he got in the end zone, he was doing a little dance. And then he went back to the sideline and was like telling his teammates what dance he did. That's just like a small thing that you you get a little peek into their personality a little bit. And it's reminiscent of just like, these are kids playing a game that they love. It doesn't have to be so business at all times. And so I love that we're we're getting to see that a little bit more. That's just a small thing that I thought about the other day. But um, I think that Peyton has really come into his own. And, you know, you make the comment about had we made some of these decisions earlier. And you're right. You can't cry over spilled milk. But Hugh said it too. Hugh, Hugh said in a presser this week, I hate I didn't put my foot down sooner. And, you know, what in specificity he's referring to and whether it's in regards to a coordinator, to play calling, to the quarterback situation, like I'm sure it's a combination of a lot of factors, but they allowed, like you and I have said, this thing to be in flux and in rotation and in a trial period far too long. If we had done that sooner, you really feel like one – probably two of those games would have been ours because it really just came down to the offense not being able to do anything. Yeah, especially in the A&M game in the first half. Exactly. And then, you know, the Ole Miss game was 14-14 all the way into the fourth quarter started. Even the Georgia game, which we did pretty well with both Robbie and uh, Hayden in that game. But yeah. still, though, you know, Brock Bowers just went off in the fourth quarter. And, know. you know, Jalen Simpson got hurt. So, if he doesn't get hurt, it still may be a different story in that game. But I definitely think two of those th- two of those four we would have won. Uh, but yeah. when you talk about these kids celebrating and everything, I do think because of NIL, because of the TV contracts that the people getting, you do need to allow them a little five seconds, you know, some yeah. type of celebration. You know, you work hard to get to the end zone. And when you get to the end zone, you want to celebrate. You know, there's a way to celebrate. There's a way to enjoy it. Like I said, you don't have to do a choreographic like you do in the NFL. But, you know, at least give the kids a chance to, hey, you know, do a little something. Then, okay, now you get to the sidelines. Uh, You don't want to take that that aspect out of the game. I also like to see them change the targeting rule after this year. I would like them to go to a first defense as a 15-yard penalty. Yep. Second, then you get kicked out the game. Because in the NFL, you see these guys target all the time. 
and it's a 15-yard penalty. There's no kicking them out of the game. Now, of course, they right. get a hefty fine in the mail because they're getting paid, so they get a huge fine. But in college, yeah. you know, I just think give the kid a warning because some of these things, like, it, it's just hard to say, like, ah, it's, it's, it's on the fence. But, know. you know, so I just like to see them change those two rules and everything after this season uh, for us letting the kids celebrate a little more and – the targeting uh, get yes. two chances where you get kicked out. All right. I agree. Now that being said, defense played outstanding. Um, yeah, they did. The sacks, turnovers, um, you know, just stopping prog- uh, momentum every time Arkansas yeah. crossed the fifty and got some momentum going, we would get a huge sack and create negative plays to knock them back. I think that's a maturity of a of a football team where this defense is like okay our offense now is clicking a little bit now it makes them feel even they hungrier to get back on the field to do something because they know now the offense is scoring and putting up some points and you know it becomes contagious so i like what this team is doing right now like i said yes have we beaten some opponents we should beat yeah we did we did what we're supposed to do you know, yes, you're supposed yeah. to be the same. But let's be honest, this Arkansas game was not one that was circled as an easy win. This no. game was the one that was circled like, okay, we should beat Vanderbilt. We should beat Mississippi State at home. Yes. But the Arkansas game, you circle, you said, okay, this can go either way. Especially you know, when they're coming off a win in the swamp. Right. So you thinking like, okay, this is not one you just circle, but we said if we could go four and oh during this stretch after going oh and four during the other stretch, this team gets some momentum. You building this thing the right way, you're ending the season the right way, and you get to a bowl game, which gives you more practices with a lot of the young guys. And this may be the senior class, this may be their best win percentage if they win this weekend in their four years. That's seven wins would be crazy. the most for them in a would be the most for them in a season in four years. Like that's just hard to say as an Auburn person, you know, like wow. But you know, we have to send them out on a winning note and everything. So it's still Definitely. a lot to play for for this football team. Yeah. And you just you feel things trending upward. You really do. The play on the field, the culture. Uh, we just got a, a pretty big commit and a four-star tight end, if I'm not mistaken. That was that was a big yeah. get. Like the momentum starts swinging and and you see guys like Perry Thompson and and the Riddick kid who are around Auburn all the time. Like you just feel like the future is getting brighter and brighter. I also thought third down efficiency made a huge difference in this game. We were seven for 12. Arkansas was one for 12 on third downs. So both sides of the ball, our efficiency, whether it was play calling or execution or both, or uh, honestly, it's being efficient on first and second down so that your third downs are more manageable as well. But all of that are areas that were not clicking a few weeks ago. So to see that progress and then the flip of that defense, making it near impossible for them to convert on third downs. That's the momentum piece that you're talking about. You can't let your opponent maintain it and you have to let yourself create it. And we did both of those. And that is an area that we have really struggled in, in, in the past couple of years. So that was super encouraging to see. And then I just want to give a shout out to Jalen McLeod and Marcus Harris, because I think those two are freaking playing lights out and like i mentioned last week the coaches will tell you like they're a little undersized for the sec but they play with everything they have jalen had nine total tackles four tackles for loss and three sacks i'm sorry what 
<laughs> what a stat line. But it's got to continue. You've got two more weeks. You've got a, a bowl game. And you you absolutely have to continue carrying that momentum into the offseason. Yeah, I'm looking at this schedule, you know, for us. We got New Mexico State. Like I said, I was miss, you know, misunderstood when I first came here. I said, Well, we're playing New Mexico <laughs> State. I said, I just started looking at the notes today, you know, so start preparing for the game. I hadn't really looked mm -hmm. at their record. And I was just like, when you said eight and three, I said eight and three. <laughs> I was like, Whoa. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that, you know, because yeah. they play UMass at the beginning of the year. We play UMass the second week and UMass beat them in week one. And yep. but you like you said, a lot has changed since week one. And mm -hmm. every football team has grown in some form or fashion. Either you've gotten better or you've gotten worse, you know, yeah. since that time. So I think this is one of the teams that has gotten a lot better. You know, look at their quarterback yeah. right now, uh Diego. As you say, Pavia, that's his last Pavia. name. Pavia. So Pavia is that's uh, 60, basically 60% completion percentage, right at 59.7. has 19 touchdowns, six interceptions, 2,257 yards. So mm -hmm. he protects the football from mm -hmm. what I see. And also, you know, he's a guy that can, can run a little bit. He has 126 carries with 705 yards and five touchdowns. Definitely. I, I had New Mexico State against UTEP a couple weeks ago for a midweek game. And so I, I have covered this team already. And their coaching staff refers to him as their version of Johnny Manziel. Obviously not the same level, but it's all relative. But he this kid can create out of nothing. When you think the play is broken down, when the pocket has completely collapsed and you think the whistle is about to be blown, this kid sneaks out and takes off for 12 yards. Like he is... He is very sneaky. He was a state champion wrestler. That's his background. And they say that that's kind of how he plays. He's kind of like a pit bull when he's out there. So this is a guy that you, and look, sometimes the smaller ones are actually more challenging because they, they can get up under those lines and find little pathways for themselves. And um, he's a gritty, scrappy dude. And he plays like he's 6'5", even though he's probably 5'. 10 I would say I think they have him listed at six foot but I think he's more like 510 but he plays he plays a lot bigger than he is um and Jerry Kill is a very proven coach this is a guy who has coached at a lot of places and and knows how to you know create winning football and he has this team very fired up they're going to be in the conference USA championship so this is a team that is very confident in what they've done and look the the age old you can't look ahead is going to be relevant here because the entire state of Alabama is talking about the Iron Bowl. The entire SEC is talking about the Iron Bowl because of what we just did at Arkansas, and now Alabama is definitely playing in the SEC championship. Well, New Mexico State comes in with a lot of confidence and a chip on their shoulder. This is a, this is going to be a test of the maturity of this team. I, I fully believe we're going to be fine. But the mentality and the maturity of this team is is going to be put on display if we let them stick around in the first half. This is a great game for Auburn. Like you said, from a maturity standpoint, you get a chance mm -hmm. to see, hey, how do we react from a big victory? You, yeah. know, we, you know, against a team that was kind of what we call that we thought was like irrelevant. Like we knew yeah. Vanderbilt, yeah, they've called it the SEC. We didn't look at Vanderbilt as relevant. You know, Mississippi yeah. State been struggling. You know, they just fired a coach. So you knew that it was the team that was struggling. So, but the Arkansas game, like I said, we knew that was a relevant opponent. Now you win mm -hmm. that game 48 to 10. How do you react with everyone patting you on your back? You know, with yep. everyone telling you, hey, man, you guys have turned the corner. You guys are, you're looking good. You know, how do you 
have tunnel vision now and block out all the noise on the outside that's good noise now how do you block that out to keep from getting complacent and going yeah. against a team like New Mexico State this weekend that you say will be playing in the Conference USA Championship mm-hmm. eight and three, and they got a quarterback that's going to give us a little bit of something that we need to see anyways before we face Alabama in Milrose because he's a sure. dual threat quarterback. So I like this matchup because this kid, like you said, he is savvy. He is gritty. Yeah. He's one of those guys that you know he's going he gonna to fight you you know until the end. And yep. so this is a good matchup to prepare our football team to get ready to see what you're going to see a week from now. So I you're agree. not getting caught looking ahead, but this is a great matchup on the schedule that lines up for us right now that I think can help pay dividends in preparation. Yes, I absolutely agree. I think it'll be another good test. I think a, another great game for our offense to continue that momentum because one thing you are absolutely going to need in Iron Bowl is that rhythm and consistency on the offensive side of the ball because Alabama has figured out how to put points up. We we didn't know where they were standing at the beginning of the year. The receivers looked rough. Milrow was doubted. They have figured it out. So our offense is going to have to be able to match that. So um, that definitely will be a key. I would love to continue to see some creativity and play calling, airing it out a little bit. But this defense is going to have to be keyed in on some of their stars. They also are kind of running back by committee. They have a lot of backs, which means – They don't have the same wear and tear on them that some of these teams that just have their one guy. Uh, Trent Hudson is probably their best wide receiver. He's had a big year for them, and they have a lot of confidence in him. And look, they have a lot of transfers from Power 5. They've got a defensive lineman from Arizona. They've got Eli Stowers, who played at uh, Texas A&M. They've got him as a quarterback, but he was a tight end. He can play wide receiver. He's kind of their Swiss Army knife a little bit. So, I mean, it's not a slouch team. I don't want anyone to think that way, especially when you look at, yes, UMass beat them and we beat UMass, but who everyone was week one, two, three is very different than who they are now. You're absolutely right. You either trend up or trend down as season continues. And this New Mexico State team has definitely trended up. So um, it'll be an exciting day and environment. And what do you know? Your girl's going to be there. I'm so excited. I get to call the game again. A third Auburn game that both Jason and I will be on the coverage for. I'm pretty sure Coach will be happy that you're back on the planes. Uh, (laughs) I hope so. They win. Everyone saw the Derrick Mason I posted this weekend. Yes. And everyone's talking about the plague suit. You know, some people digging it. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Yeah, some people asking me like, "Jay, you think that's something you could you could swing?" I said, "I could probably swing the top part." You know, I said <laughs> the blazer. Little, yeah, the blazer with a little lighter okay. shirt, but yeah. then some solid, some solid pants. You know, I said I don't think I at six five, light skin, have to wear a full <laughs> flat suit. So I'm just saying, you know, but, my guy has so much swag, like he can't even yeah. hide it. He walks into coaches meetings <laughs> with the J's and the sets like he's just always he walks in. I'm like, coach, I felt good about my outfit until you walked in. What the hell? Yeah. He's the I best. Him, I, though. Yeah, I told him, I said, man, you swagged out. So he said he got this tailor that's that's in Nashville that, you know, hooks him up with his suits and everything. I'm sure. And everything. He's like, hey, Jay, I'm, I'm going to send him your way. So I, I welcome that. But I like it. Not the full plaid suit for me, coach. I'm sorry. Just the blazer. You know, the shorter <laughs> guys can swing it. Coach, you can swing it. You know what I'm saying? That's true. You can swing it. But these tall guys, you know, it just. Yeah, that would be a lot of plaid on you. 
Yeah, hey, that'd be a lot of play, you know. You know so <laughs> I just want to get that said, though. But shout out I to Coach for coming to the booth set, chatting it up with yeah. me. Yeah, he's know, awesome. Look to, yeah, look forward to talking with him even more. I say this, though, for this Auburn football team, it's going to be a key for this team to keep a lot of these core pieces together. And I agree. what I mean by that is, some of these guys I know going to think it's time to jump and try to go pro because they get caught up into the little bit of the hype that you're winning a little bit now. But you have to see this thing as a full picture, you know, mm-hmm. like making sure that you give yourself the best opportunity, you know, at the next level, because it's not about, you know, getting there. It's how long can you stay in and how long can you give yourself an opportunity to reach pensions and all that type That's of stuff. point. You know, so these guys have to have to think, but it just makes you think, though, you can keep the core group of guys together and then you figure out the quarterback situation. I got to that subject because I got to thinking about recruiting because okay. recruiting, it helps when you start to win games in November because signing day is December 20th and you mm-hmm. want to be showing that something that the kids can see what we call progress. And right mm-hmm. now. They see progress. Receivers are getting happy that's on board to commit and come because they see the ball getting moved around and thrown around. Some of them like, hey, you know, I can't wait to be in that position. I got to try to make that play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you look at it's the overall. They say, okay, Auburn's, they're trending upward. I want to be part of the trending upward. And I hope that that is matched with a lot of core guys wanting to stay and, and marry kind of like the veteran guys that have been a part of this establishment this year it definitely looks like it's starting to click what what this coaching staff wants the identity to be what what it's going to look like moving forward now imagine it with some of more pieces we've already seen what this staff can do in the transfer portal when they had proven nothing like imagine what kind of attraction or how attractive auburn would be i mean i'm not going to lie i saw <laughs> i saw the camera on coach freeze on the field at the end of the game and he was in kj's ear and I was like, I don't know what kind of eligibility KJ's working with, but I bet Hugh's asking him, like, what you got next year? I mean, like, the, I think yeah, if you I put a KJ better – more energy, though. Like, for sure. He feels checked out, honestly. Yeah. I wouldn't like, – that's not my pick, personally. Yeah. I want Riley Leonard, but um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, we got to talk about it. Wouldn't be a, an episode of our podcast if Jason didn't talk about food and if I didn't bring up something that I was right about. And that is that the season is not over yet. And Jimbo Fisher is no longer in College Station. Jimbo Fisher had zero national titles, zero conference titles, zero division titles, zero 10 win seasons. Zero wins versus ranked opponents on the road. Zero ranked finishes in the last full four seasons. A worse record than Kevin Sumlin. And has $117 million guaranteed. Yeah, that's the part that drives me crazy. Is the fact that you lose a job. See, I'm all for assistants continuing to get paid when a head coach gets fired because the assistant, you know, you're not in the head role position. You know what I'm saying? But And the head coach is already making big money. But yeah. when your head coach doesn't have any incentives in his contract that says you have to win a certain amount of games before you get bumped up in your contract or you have to win a, a division championship or even be – consider in a playoffs 
and all those type of things. When I was in the NFL, there's incentives in your contract. And yeah. if you don't reach those incentives and you don't get those bonuses, you know, there need to be some type of bonuses in these contracts because that's just highway robbery. You know, mm-hmm. we got people out here that can't even get full health care, you know, that's and so then true. And we're sending a coach out of a job with $76 million to go do what? Sit on a lake? To sit on a lake. You know, you underachieve your job. So since you underachieve your job, how do you get to make all this money for underachieving? What's your your push? What's your push when you sign these big contracts to make sure the program really gets on top? Right. You don't have any incentive. But to say, I just want to do it from an integrity standpoint. But other than that, you know, you already sit. So you don't have any type of something that's pushing you or whatever, because Jimbo ain't nowhere crying today. Jimbo sitting at <laughs> no, home right he now. He's celebrating. Yeah, he gets 19 million by January. And then he's getting 7.2 million or 7.5 million per year for the next however years until it's paid off. That's and crazy. for underachieving. Like that what ticks me off, you know, that the mm-hmm. fact that we got so much going on here in the country, but then we got so much going on where people are struggling, but then you can afford to pay a coach that much money for underachieving a program. You're right. You know what I'm saying? Like that should tick you off. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. to the fact that how is that even fair that some boosters or whatever got to go out here and raise all this money? Everyone that hired him should be fired. Because yeah. how how they go out here and they hire and they get allow this contract to take place? He was already taking Florida State to the hole, even though he won a national championship. They right. was going down like this. Yeah, he was already taken to a hole when they hired him. It was a and bad re- choice. And then you rewarded with that huge contract. Oh, he was that program there was like we're ready to get rid of you anyways from Florida State, even though you won a championship. Like you had some talented guys. You know, mm-hmm. and now those talented guys are gone. The Ramseys and Winston's and all of them was gone. Now you got to really coach and you couldn't do it. And you can't say anything about recruiting because you had top five recruiting classes for the last five years and you mm-hmm. underachieved and you had nothing to in that contract to live up to because regardless of what happened, you was walking away with that money. And yep. that money has got to be paid out of somebody's pocket and everything. And people should be ashamed in an uproar that this something like this happens over and over again. I could not agree more. When you really take it down to its bones, it's not so much about the fact that it's happening. It's like, how was this ever the case? Like, how was this risk ever taken? It's how do you sign off on something like that. Exactly. It doesn't, it really doesn't make sense. And then, yeah, if you get into like the holistic aspect of it, the literal pillars of our society, teachers, first responders, they're struggling to make ends meet. And we've got coaches that have proven nothing and are getting given. million to no longer work. The it is an insane concept. It really is. You didn't win. You didn't win 10 games. You didn't go to the division championship. You didn't even make it to a playoff. You didn't even make it to the SEC championship. None of those years. You pulled off a robbery. That's exactly what he did. Like 117. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically just laughed at Texas and then walking out the door. Two fingers in the air. You can guess which yeah. ones for sure. Uh, well, he wasn't the only one this weekend. Ironically, their opponent 
Mississippi State chose to part ways with Zach Arnett and another one that I absolutely saw coming and am not surprised by. The only surprise with A&M is the financial implication, oh. obviously. But here's another thing with the A&M situation in particular. You don't swallow a $77 million buyout unless you are pretty sure who you're bringing in. I don't think oh. this is... I think they have a pretty clear indication. I don't know who it is at this point. Uh, Lane was quick to shut it down. I don't know if we can believe that. Um, Dan Lanning was asked about openings. I actually do believe him. He seems very steadfast in not wanting to leave Oregon yet. And for some reason, I kind of believe him. Like Lane will kind of dance around the situation and say, that's not what we're t talking about here. Dan Landing straight up said, 0% chance I'm not going anywhere. So wow, for some reason, I agree. And they, they're they building something really good. He has all the resources he needs. Yeah, I I don't think he goes anywhere yet. I, I got a name that I think would fit there. I know people may go with uproar because I said it. Yeah, but what? I think he needs a change of scenery. I think he's a good coach. I think he needs a change of scenery. I think he can bring in the guys. I think he's been he's now re-energized, re-motivated since everyone was on his head a couple weeks, couple weeks ago. Dabo. On the fine bomb show. Dabo Sweeney. I okay. think Dabo could go to AM. And I think it can be a resurgence of energy for him. Because guess what? Before NIL, who out recruited Clemson? You've got a point. Nobody. Nobody out recruited Clemson. So he don't have to go out there and say a word. He all that thing gonna ask him, what do you need? And he'll say, I need D linemen, I need receivers, I need this, I need that. This is how much. And the only thing they're gonna say is, okay, you know, this is what we're gonna have set aside for us to be able to, once these guys get here, to sign these kids and everything from a recruiting standpoint. Because the yeah. only thing he's gonna say is, he's gonna do just like Coach Saban. I don't wanna know about the NIL, I don't wanna be involved with it. Let NIL take care of that once the kids are here, you know, let the coaches sign who they wanna sign. And my job when I get here is to orchestrate everybody on the same page as a head coach. So yeah. for him, it'll be like being back in Clemson before NIL because he won't have to worry about it as much. You know, Jimbo could recruit, but he couldn't mm -hmm. develop. He couldn't exactly. develop. You know what I'm saying? So I just think for him, it'll, it'll get him a position to be like in A&M with the opportunity. But Mississippi State was smart about this, though. Let's just be honest. Mississippi State, they gave, what's the name, a $4.5 million buyout. But they know at the end of the day, he's a pretty good defensive coordinator. So they know somebody's going to go hire him as a defensive coordinator. So they're paying him a million and a half annually for the next four years. They don't even have to worry about that because someone's going to hire yeah. him as a defensive coordinator for a million to a million and a half. So it's going to offset a lot of that, and he'll come off Mississippi State's books. So Mississippi State AD That's has true. a connection with some guys already. So, you know, for them, it was the right thing to do because that thing was just a, a train just going downhill. He was not a head break. coach. I can tell you that yeah. immediately. He he did not have the makings of a head coach. And, uh, I mean, I think you're right. He was he was a great D.C. He's, he's a good defensive mind. He gets his guys to play tough. He could not handle everything that a head coach is tasked with. And that, no matter how much you hate it, 
you are the face of the program. You are the representative to the media, to boosters, to ambassadors. You got to play the game a little bit. That's part of it. Your culture will suffer if you put up a big stink about those head coach responsibilities. And he did. And I mean, he took one of the most prolific offenses and tried to completely change it, even though the roster was built around it. Like it was, it was really bad decision making, and he didn't operate well in the role. So I didn't, I, I wasn't surprised in the slightest. And honestly, I think that it probably was maybe bumped up in schedule because A and M fired Jimbo. Because now all these programs are having to go crap. We we got to make sure that we get our guy. It becomes a rat race a little bit. Right. Um, there are rumors that Jamie Chadwell is in the running for Mississippi State. He was the yeah. Coastal Carolina coach for years, then went up to Liberty in a move that was kind of confusing. Um, I, I did a poll on my Instagram yesterday, and a lot of people submitted Dan Mullen. And uh, he has obviously Dan been Mullen. in television. What? Yeah. Dan Mullen? Yep. That is uh, a very... was, he was he was there already. Yeah, I know. And and did pretty well. I mean, that was the Dak era, he and did, then yeah, he, he left to go well. to Florida and yeah. tanked at Florida. But there I know, I know. Um, that was a very popular response. Look, it is only a matter of time, in my opinion, until Gus Malzahn is back in the SEC. Whether it's <laughs> Arkansas moves on from if Arkansas moves on from Sam Pittman, I would bet. Jimbo Fisher's buyout that Gus is their first call. Well, he's from Arkansas. That's what I'm you saying. Know, like he's from Arkansas. But I would say to differ and say Rhett Lashley would end up at one of these calls from Mississippi State or somewhere. Mm -hmm. what, he's doing at, what he's doing at Sanford. Um, and he's a younger guy. SEC I don't background. Know, SEC background. And I've heard Beamer has a connection with the AD at Mississippi State the South Carolina head coach. So he was mm -hmm. asked in a press conference. And of course, every coach always going to say the coach talk. You're going to you know, turn it but, off. Yeah. Right. But let's be honest. Most ADs that go somewhere bring in someone they already have a connection with. And Beamer has a connection with that AD. So at Mississippi State? At Mississippi State. So there's a lot don't of know things. What would be that. better for you at State than yeah. at South Carolina? I, I just I think Gus is happy in UCF though. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think ego egoish. He probably said, "Yeah, I want to get back in the SEC and play against the Top Guns and go at them." But I think from a perspective of you know I'm getting older. Do I want all that stress? Yeah. You know I can I'm living in warm weather in Florida year round. <laughs> you know I'm making good money. I know state tax. You know I I'm in the Big Twelve now, so it's not like I'm in a a you know, just a group regular of five or group of five. Yeah. I'm in the power five now. Yeah. You know, so I have a chance to build something without the pressure of if I don't win 10 games this year, if I don't win 10 games next year, then they're talking about firing me again, you know, and all that type of stuff. Why put that pressure on yourself? Now, yeah. from a competitive standpoint, I could see it, but just logically at your age, does it make a lot of sense for him? To yeah. I am so intrigued by these openings in particular, the fact that they're both SEC West at a time that a lot is changing. We're adding two schools to the SEC next year, eliminating divisions, playoff expands. What a time to bring in new coaches into programs that really have buy-in. I mean, definitely more A&M than Mississippi State. And, and even from a culture standpoint, the Mississippi State job, 
they're going to have a lot of work to do. Um, I, when I was there, the stadium was barely filled and it was quiet. And my friends that are Mississippi State fans, they were like, I'm not going to lie, I turned it off in the third quarter. Like there's there's not as much interest right now. And so I think you, you've you got to bring in somebody who rejuvenates that place. And A&M, I think you're just, you got to bring in a proven winner. And so I think that they'll be looking for different things in those two roles. Rich Rodriguez at Jacksonville State comes to mind for me. You know, it's a guy that they can probably go and get because he's coached at some major colleges and and Mm -hmm. big time programs. And what he's done at Jacksonville State has been outstanding this year. So I I definitely think his name pops up that comes there. Sam Pittman, this is what I think with Sam. I think Sam's job got a little safer when those other guys jumped out there and did something because I think, they don't, I think they don't want to get into that whole saga of, you know, do we get our guy to not all this? I think they like Sam Pittman. I, mm-hmm. I, I think they do just being out there. I think they just want to see some energy. You know, yeah. they want to see some some energy, some fight. You know, they lost, what, six games in a row, but a lot of them was one score games. And mm-hmm. Let's look honest. Their roster is not as talented as a lot of other rosters, but yeah. the fight is what they can't show. Is what happened last week. They can't show that effort that they had against Auburn. Then, then everyone knows what happened. But if they yeah. can come out there and fight against FIU, and then Missouri is a hard game. But if they can fight against Missouri and just show heart and effort, I think he can survive this and get a whole nother off season to go get an offensive coordinator and everything and rebuild I that agree. thing. You know, because, you know, T. Will and his side of the ball, first year there, you know. Yeah. So, I think with them not having an offensive coordinator, like, that's tough. So, I think they go get a coordinator all season. Now you have an opportunity to see where he can do next year. And everything. I agree. But uh, South Florida is another one that could go either way at the end of this year. South Florida? No, no, Florida. You think Florida. they would fire Billy? I'm just saying, you know, you, you lose to – you lost to Arkansas. They had lost six games in a row. They come to Florida. If he doesn't go bowl eligible, and then the way they just lost to – they fought LSU for a good numbers of quarters. And it's hard to stop that that machine down there that they got going on mm-hmm. offense. But you know how Florida is. You know how they are. If they don't make it to a bowl game this year, I'm talking about it could get loud. It could get really noisy and really loud down there. And it's they got crazy. Money. Yeah, so it's crazy. He's only been there two years, but I mean, look, we've got short-term memory problems in the SEC. We all expect to dominate mm-hmm. immediately. But let me just say one thing: I am so grateful it's not us. I am so grateful <laughs> it is not us this year. Oh, the chaos of of a coaching change and who are we getting? Who's interested? Who's denying us? What players are going to stay? We got our guy, and I'm feeling really freaking good about it. And things are trending upward, and we can just sit back with popcorn and watch the rest of the conference implode. Um, so yeah, we will uh, we will definitely keep our eyes on all of that because it it is likely to continue with some chaos. Because yeah, I mean, if a, if a coach does get poached from another SEC program to go to A and M or Mississippi State you know, let's say Lane does get poached and brought to AM. Okay, well now the old miss job is vacant. Who do they get? Like the the carousel begins, lest we not forget. I mean, Michigan State has been a storyline all season. Boise State just fired their head coach. 
I would not be surprised if a few more, I mean, look, Mike Elko's name is on all the lists because of what he did at Duke, one of the hardest schools that you could turn a football program around at. Imagine him in a situation that has major support and resources. So I think he very much will be in conversation. I think that a guy like John Sumrall, who's the coach at Troy, it's only a matter of time before he gets brought into a a power five position. He's a great, great coach. So look, it's, it's going to get more chaotic before it chills out. And, uh, I kind of welcome it as long as it doesn't include Auburn. So we love that it doesn't. But uh, that is going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn because it's pitch black, even though it is 445. This time change has ruined my life. But that's going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening and following along. You know the drill. You can subscribe if you haven't already. You'll get a notification every time we release an episode. You can find us on the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, Believe's website. We are also on Believe's YouTube channel. So if you prefer to watch on video, you can find us there. Ring the bell, leave a comment, make sure you subscribe on there too. And come on back next week and we'll break down all the action from another home game inside Jordan Hare and then preview the all-important Iron Bowl. Have a great week, everybody. Until we talk again, War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.